Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. My guest today is Matt B. Davis, the founder of Obstacle Racing Media and the host of the Atlanta podcast. And this is a really different interview for me. And what you may know if you've listened to my episodes is that I am obsessed with great communicators. And what I noticed about Matt's style is that he is a great conversationalist and he purposely doesn't prepare much. He's great on his feet. For me, I interview culture changers. It's important for me to prepare, but I thought, let me take the reins off and just chat and see what happens. We went shallow and we went deep, and Matt had me red-faced and in the hot seat too. It was a really insightful conversation, and I'm so glad to share it with you. So today we are here with Matt B. Davis. I'm not sure why the B has to be included in all of your handles. We can talk about handles. that. I think we do need to talk about it. Um, but we're here with Matt B. Davis. Matt B. Davis is um, the host of the Atlanta podcast. Yes. Is it ATL or Atlanta podcast? It's the Atlanta podcast. There is another show called the Atlanta podcast. So sometimes people call it ATL podcast. I'm okay with that. All right, good. And you also have obstacle racing media. So you're a host at these crazy obstacle races um, throughout the nation. Correct. I have so many And the many world even. And the world Is even. Is that right? I'm going to Greece next weekend. Next Tell week, me more. Next week. Tell me more. Um, they, so Obstacle Racing Media is news and information about the sport. So just like any particular sport might have blogs or podcasts about it, whether it's a pro football team or MMA or gardening, mine's Obstacle Racing. And sometimes, and most of the time, it's it's content we create. And then sometimes I get hired by brands or races to help them. So I'm going to Greece to do social media for them. That is uh, so cool. Um, which is super cool. I'm missing <laughs> Halloween with my kids, which I'm not thrilled about because I leave like, I think the morning of Halloween or the night before. So I'm not thrilled about that. My wife and I were just talking about that. But other than that, I'm excited to go to Greece. So how did you get involved with Obstacle Racing Media? How did This is your company. How did you start it? So... I had another business. I had a staffing company. That was my first business. And it was profitable most of the time. Uh, and it made me miserable. Mm. Um, I hated the clients. I hated people that worked for me. I was not a happy person. And like, I was like, well, I'm kind of screwed because I don't have a degree. And this is like, I hate my job, but I'm the boss. So I don't know what to do. <laughs> and then I started... Uh, podcast because I'd been to a few of these races and they had impacted me and I was making new friends and I thought it was cool. And then this was how long ago? Because it was like 2012, right? Yeah, like yeah. It's, it was like the early stages of podcasting. Right. It's come a long way. Right. So yeah, super like ahead of the curve and not because I was some genius, but because I liked podcasts and they seemed fun and I knew I liked talking to people. Yeah. So I, I started this podcast and there wasn't a ton of content back then and I did a pretty good job. So I kind of instantly became like, oh, you're the guy. And that's sort of what I've been now for, you know, seven, almost eight years is the guy that covers the races. And, you know, obviously now I have a lot of competition in terms of other people have blogs or Facebook pages or podcasts, but I'm I'm pretty proud to say that I'm ORM is the source for news and information about this particular so, sport. But how did you get involved in obstacle races? Was this something that you personally did? 
So I always explain it as... Because on your website, it says that you're a not... Wait, what is it? It's something really funny. Like, I'm not really a runner or I'm a sort of runner or a sort of obstacle. <laughs> it's like, are you the athlete? How did you get involved with obstacle racing? So the way I explain it is I was your average softball playing dad, right? Uh-huh. So I wasn't like obese, um, but I wasn't fit, right? I could play flag football. I could play softball. Um, but I certainly wasn't a runner by any means. And this friend of mine, who's always happy when I mention his name, <clears throat> my friend Dominic, we were we were doing goals. This is the fall of 2011, and we were doing goals. And he said, I want to run a Tough Mudder in 2012 because his roommate had done a couple of them. And I had seen these videos of Tough Mudder, and it was people getting electrocuted and people freezing. <laughs> yeah. And... It was 12 miles, and it was like, that may as well have been 100 miles. You know what I mean? Like, 12 miles? What are you yeah. talking about? So I'm like, well, if you're going to sign up for one, I'm going to sign up for one. So a group of eight of us did the first one. And the way it, the way the event went, I think, led to everything else. If it was a gorgeous 60 or 70 degree day, I don't know that I'd be sitting here talking to you about this now. But... I remember it was in Washington, Georgia. So we we drove up the night before. We were it was Saturday and Sunday. We we raced on Sunday, and when we went to bed. The temperature said like it's not going to be about forty tomorrow. Mm. And knowing part of it's ice water, mm. part of it's jumping in cold water, and we've got to cover. Tw- what do you wear? What do I do? Like this is going to be miserable because like, do you wear a lot of clothing or a little clothing? Because you're going to get <laughs> right. wet, but then the clothes weigh you down and. So scared, so scared, so scared. And I, I think, you know, this particular experience, the ice bath was actually like the first or second mile of the race. And um, it's hard to, I try to remember for new people because you, it's hard to be new again, right? And, mm. and put yourself in that position. And going into an ice bath and then coming out, the fear of just, Knowing you have to do it, knowing you've got to jump in, duck your head under this wall and come out, you've got to, you got to do it. So you do it, you come out, your head is like about to like explode because it's so fucking cold, but then you've done it. So I think that was my, that was my birth by, that was my baptism, if you yeah. will. And I think I came out a different person because at the end of that, wow. it was like, holy shit, we did it. We did all these hard obstacles. We did it. You know what I mean? And so then I kept signing up for them. And I think that's kind of what happens with most people. Yeah. They get the bug as it were. And, you know, I did a Spartan race. I did a couple of other things. And it just, you know, you could call it midlife crisis because a lot of people are finding this stuff in their 40s, just like people find ultras or marathons or whatever. But it's it's been working for me. I so my brother-in-law <clears throat> my brother-in-law is uh he sign he does a lot of the tough mutters and go ruck and all of those challenges and he's he's going to do um the world's toughest mutter. Yeah. You should November. totally introduce him to me cuz I'll be there. I totally will. And so I called him earlier in preparation for this and I'm like, "Why are you guys so fucked up? Like what right. is the common denominator <laughs> right. that that people would actually sign up for this?" And and he talked about First of all, totally ego check did you know who i was did you mention my name i <laughs> if he doesn't it's fine but but usually people do but whatever it's fine i don't know i didn't mention your name this. he just said he just knew you were the osr guy is O-R-M that right guy or m guy well, that's all that matters then <laughs> that he knows who i am that's fine right that i'm doing a good job yes absolutely um and he is uh so he was talking about it and he said 
the first mile is really hard for me. He said, he said, when I started, he's like, I'm, I'm pissed. I'm like, fuck, I have so much to do. And he's like, and then once I start getting everything in check, I completely zone out everything. And I'm just focused on can just get to the next tree, just get to the next little milestone, just right. get to the next mile marker. Right. And he does it. And he said, once I'm in that zone, it's like another world takes over. And I'm like so, grinning ear to ear for those who can't see me. I'm like really, yes. you know, because I've experienced that. Have you never ever experienced that in any no. kind of sport? Oh yeah, you went for a run with us and you hate running. <laughs> well, so let me back up for a second. The reason why I know Matt Davis is because I joined Build Your Life Resume. It's this community, this online community that Jesse Itzler started, who is um, a, a, a serial entrepreneur, an ultra marathon, ultra everything. He's an extreme everything. He happens to be the husband of Sarah Blakely um, and is very successful in his own right. But he has started this community of really just pushing people outside their boundaries, whatever that might be, whether it is, you know, public speaking or whether it's doing physical things with your body or um, or just doing more than you thought you could instead of just getting a name and a title on a resume. Right. Can you build your experiences? So I signed up and then um, I signed up for it. I'm like, you know what? This sounds great. And I would love to push myself. I am in my 40s. I'm about to be 45 in two no days. No way. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and I don't know that I'm very happy about it, but I want to like combat it as, as hard as I can and make the most of, of whatever years that I've got. So I signed up for build your life resume. There is a really active, really engaged, very supportive online community that, um, really just embraces you right away. So two days later, somebody has said, Hey, there's going to be a run in your neighborhood. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to go. And there's Matt Davis. Right. And so Matt um, was great. And you made me scale a wall too. Right. 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 So, um, so it was great. And so I am not a runner. I don't love running. I love fitness. I love working out. I wake up at 4.30 every morning um, and I go see a trainer. Um, but running is never my thing. And, uh, and I somehow just said yes to this and ended up running four miles. I mean, not the whole way, but, but, but <laughs> not that, running the whole way. But good job. Thank you. Right? Thank you. And so you get that, you know, I, I think I went to, you know, I've I've gone to a few fitness classes or CrossFit gyms or yoga. And when you walk in as the new person, it's the worst feeling in the world. No one likes to be the new person. So I really try to remember that. Well, you feel like you're going to slow everybody down you or they're going to be annoyed by you. can't stop apologizing. Yes. Like, yes. And trust me, I have friends who are who are fit as, can I curse on the show or not? Absolutely. Who are fit as fuck. And, you know, and then where I feel that way and I just, and it's like, listen, sometimes you're the fastest guy in the run. Sometimes you're the slowest guy in the run. And it's totally fine. Um, and uh, the, the, the feeling the new person and I'm going to do it wrong and everybody's looking at me and all that crazy stuff, which of course no one is. Um, so, you know, I, it used to be if you got within like five feet of me, I was going to like make you do an obstacle race because like you like you haven't done one yet. Okay, we're going to get you to do one. And I still do that. <laughs> and I offer people free races all the time. I'm like, listen, message me. And they're like, oh, when's the next one? Blah, blah, blah. And then some people do and some people don't. And some people do it and don't love it. And that's fine too. Um, you know, what's interesting though is that like I've had this experience of, you know, watching this community grow around me and I see it, I see it all the time. So... 
you know, there's, you know, there, there's a lot of cliches about obstacles and obstacles in life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like getting over the obstacles in your life. Uh, however, I do believe, so Joe DeSena, the founder of Spartan Race, who's one of the biggest race companies, um, uses this term that I love, and it's called obstacle immunity. So when you've done that, when you've when you've pushed yourself like your friend said, and when you've jumped in that ice water scared of shit or gone up a really high wall when you thought it was scary, that does tend, I feel like that muscle builds. Yeah. And so, you know, I think Jesse talks about it too. Five minutes of traffic is like, whatever. You know, it's all perception. You know, it's, 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 I was talking to someone yesterday when I'm sitting on the plane and they're like, uh, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, we're, uh, we're going to, uh, we got to fix this part and, uh, we're going to be here a little while. And people go, <laughs> and I'm like, thank God they found it before we took off. This is great. It's all perspective. Right? Like, right? And I'm not saying I've never been a guy who doesn't get pissed in long lines yeah, or whatever, yeah. but, but honestly, my first thought is this is great. They found something before we take off, not after. Um, so, well, you always like that. Do you? I'm wondering what has happened. <laughs> so you've been part of this community, right? Um, this obstacle racing community, and these are people that think differently. And I don't know if they come in that way or no, just I think, by so that's pushing what, themselves so that's what or I was exercising gonna, that muscle. So, so that's what I was going to say is that who are you today that you weren't in well, 2011? Well, it's but it's also that. If you and I are doing a race together, right, and you know something as silly, quote unquote, as us doing that, hey, come get up this wall with us that we did. There's a you know Atlanta listeners, uh, old Fourth Ward Park, that little skate ramp, skate park, yeah. We made her jump up it because it kind of resembles like one of those one of those ninja walls. And when you've spent a day doing that with people, of course it translates after the race. So you know you never. You almost never need to like if you need a ride, if you need a place to stay, which I've I've been the giver and receiver of both, depending on my financial situation. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we're all going to Miami for this race. I, you know, you got a floor I can crash on, and and I've been able to give back that. You know what I'm saying? It just naturally becomes part of the community. So when I've gone on a couple of these runs, you know, I did one for Stone Mountain a few weeks ago, and the people were like, "This is so great. We're all so supportive." And I'm just like, "Yeah, I've been. That's 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 the community I already belong to." And you know, I think that's this word community again gets thrown out a lot, but it's. It's the reason people, I always say, the obstacle races are fun, but if it wasn't for the people, we wouldn't keep coming back. And yeah. listen, people find that in CrossFit. People find that in yoga. People find that in their church. Wherever it is that you find your little tribe, like, awesome. And if you but have to a- me, I think that is like the crux of life is once you find that community, you feel like you belong. You know, that that is worth its weight in gold. Right. I think. So I can see the addiction from that perspective, too. Sure, if you're going to throw a nasty word like addiction. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so speaking of addiction, um, it is a perfect segue. So before, I don't know, this happens all the time. So you and I were talking before the mics had turned on that sometimes things just pop up. Um, and, and preparing for this interview or for us to talk, um, I was trying to prepare less than I normally do just to see what it would be like as a free flowing conversation right. instead of something that I'm kind of guiding and weaving. And so uh, lo and behold, Rich Roll, do you know who Rich Roll is? Of course. I love Rich Roll. So he's an ultra marathon runner and he's got a, a really well-known podcast and he was interviewing and it came out today, Amelia Boone, right? who is like this badass and she wins all these tough mutters and she's just this amazing ultra athlete. 
And she has recently come out that she um, has been struggling with an eating disorder. Right. And I was thinking about some of the people that I know that are in competitive sports and really extreme things. And that very often it does go hand in hand with addiction. And I know that you are sober, at least from what I can tell from your podcast. Yes. I don't know your backstory, but I wonder, I wonder what the commonality is in that. If, if any, anything, or I'm just drawing conclusions. No, out I mean, here. listen. Um, it's not uncommon for when people stop drinking. So like, like I think even it's tomorrow or the next day I have 20 years of sobriety, which is amazing. Um, and, uh, it's not uncommon that people get sober and find something else to get addicted to. Some of those things uh, are bad. Chocolate food, sex, money. Sometimes you get really healthy because of it, right? Like there's a lot of ways the, like sort of the addictive personality as it work and go. So if I start running in 2011, at that point, I'm already like 13 or 14 years sober, so I didn't find it right away. But I do remember like looking at my mileage and um, I was so proud I'd run like 50 miles that week, which is like, what? 50 miles in a week? That's crazy. That is. And my wife joked like, you know, what do you think you're running from? And I was like, oh, oh, geez, that's a whole. So I think some people, I've heard people get very mad about that. Like, it's not an addiction. Like, I enjoy fucking running and it doesn't mean that I'm, and it's like, it could be for me, I guess. Like, I could be addicted to doing these races. I don't know. It's what I do for a living now, so that's a little bit different. Um, But I make a, you know, the first, sort of the first three years of it, 2012 to 14, 15, I was going to everything I ever could. I was traveling to races constantly. And you know, as an entrepreneur, it's like, well, I'm not getting paid to do this, but I'm, you know, I'm in relationships, I'm building connections, I'm creating content. But there did, there did need to draw, I did need to draw a line because I was sort of checking out from my family in a lot of ways and like, oh, well, let's work. But I wasn't doing a good job at home. So I had to kind of like sort of right size that and be like, okay, well, I can't go to every event. And there's a lot of big events and people are like, why aren't you going? And I'm like, because I can't go to all of them. You know what I mean? So I still, I wouldn't say struggle with that, but I can tell you that I'm a lot more, like a Spartan race was just here. And, you know, I went, I didn't go both days. I only went Sunday. And then on Sunday, I didn't even run. I had my kids do the kids race. And that was fine. But mm-hmm. it used to not be. Like, we got to go to every single race. Yeah. But but yeah, I think I think people who, people who are searching for something that's their that's their you know nirvana is finding that you know amelia like really really enjoys that kind of suffering i like running long distance but i don't do as much as she does yeah so that that race that jesse did i don't know if you saw but the 100 miler no the one before that where the it was last man standing. last man standing <laughs> you run you run a four and a half mile loop until there's no one left oh. every hour on the hour so Jesse's finished. I think he came in fourth or fifth and they went like 24 to 28 hours. This woman just won it. She went like three days. It's fucking nuts. Um, I mean, I can't even imagine that. Like Amelia Amelia did, I think, 100 something miles, which was, you know, a day yeah. or whatever. And then people kept going and going. This woman, Maggie, just won it. So anyway. And that was, you know, my brother-in-law said that he likes the pain. He likes the suffering. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't understand. Yeah, so like, so that's that the thing. Means. And I think we talked about this the day that we ran is that you know people do these go rucks, which yeah. is essentially being. I'm gonna give it. I'm not gonna give it a great description, but this is what it is. You get yelled at. You march around. You carry heavy stuff. You do a lot of PT, and that's what it's like for eight, twelve, or twenty four hours. Or they just did one of these selections where it's three days of it, and people find. You know, I'm sure they get a ton out of it. I don't. 
like I'd much rather push myself by running 100 miles or, you know, something like that. So if you're going to pitch to somebody who has never done (laughs) done a a Tough Mudder and I'll do anything as long as I'm not like getting dirty and wet and cold, which is like all Tough Mudders. Then you should should do a local 5K then for sure. (laughs) No, and I can do a local 5K. That's that's totally fine. But what would be, what do you see as the common denominator across all of these people? You know, I don't know if it's before or after or just the common denominator of people that are choosing to do these races over and over. You know, how does it improve your life outside of the race? Well, as I said, I think it makes, I think it gives you this immunity to, you've done a lot of really hard things. I mean, I can tell you that, legitimately anytime I'm on the start line at a cold day, I do think about that very first race and I go, won't be as bad as that day. Like mm. that's a specific thing, I guess. Mm. But you know, so my wife has done a few with me and she doesn't love it, but she did it to push herself. You know, we, you, there's, there's a savage race. They have a 10 foot platform. You jump off. She was terrified, terrified. And I kind of dragged her like not the whole race, but we got there. She like didn't want to, didn't want to do it, didn't want to do it. And we just kind of like did it. And then like, she was happy she did it. Yeah. There are these big A-frames you climb up, which to me, I climb up, I climb over. I've done it a million times, but to her, it was a huge deal. She's afraid of heights. Yeah. And I I have to say that this doesn't happen every race, but almost at least once you'll come to an obstacle and there'll be a person who's terrified and who's like, I can't do it, can't do it. And like, maybe they're a little heavy set and their friends are like, we're going to help you do this. And then if I'm there at that moment, I'm like, yeah, man. And I get into it and you talk them through it and you walk them through it and you hold their hand or you push their butt up or whatever it is. And they come over and they're like, oh my God, thank you so much. Yeah. And like that, okay, that's worth my whole day. Yeah. So I think that might be, maybe I'm always looking for that, but that's that happens all the time. It sounds like there's so many benefits. There's so many like moments that can make a whole, make everything, you know, like you remember them um, by putting yourselves in these extreme situations and i'm i'm wondering what is the mission of of orm like what's my mission yeah i mean i have a like i have like the the consistent quality content about obstacle racing that's sort of always been my mantra i guess um information news you know entertainment which i know is what everybody does or wants to say they do but i feel like i do a, a really good job at it um you know, we we were talk so we were talking about interview styles, and I am I always wing it. I don't prepare questions. You I like, are so good at that. I, I like, like I listen to you, and I'm like, he is so good. Thank you so much. Yeah, I like to do just enough. So you know, you heard the one with Tra- Travis, Trevor, Trip Crosby, Trip. Sorry, Trip. <laughs> And let me back up for a second. So Trip Crosby, in case you don't know, I'm sure you know who he is if you don't know him by name, but Trip Crosby has these viral videos that he has made. So he um, and his buddy uh, Trip and Travis. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, my God. Um, but him and this other guy have been. <laughs> he's going to listen to this and be like, bitch. Um they they did shit nobody says and conference call in real life and these things went completely viral. Right, right. Before before everybody was making amazing viral videos. Yes, and now he's a stand up comedian or he's tra- he's right. doing stand up comedy and all so, kinds. Of so stuff. I would have interviewed him just based on that, but then it turns out he was great. And I want to say what I was going to also say about that is that I do think I'm really good at what I do, and it helps to have a guest like him who's kind of he was ready to go there right away. Yes, ready to get really real right away, and like. Like, let's go. And, you know, the thing about, um, you know, for me, like I've had people 
so okay so first of all i was very sort of snobbish about it like well if you prepare questions you you're not as good right or you're whatever and like i do say this if someone wants to interview me and they say or i want to interview someone and they say can you send me questions in advance i always just write back what fun would that be right Mm -hmm. whether it's a serious person or it's a friend or whatever um and so um uh I find that I do just so, so that guy, I watched a couple of videos. I looked a little bit on like his page and that's it. And I'm kind of good. Like I kind of know where I want to go with it. Yeah. Um, but I, like I said, I had a very, I had a very sort of like ego about it. Like I was better than or whatever. And then I listened to this great series, which I highly recommend called the turnaround. Do you know who Jesse Thorne is? No. So Jesse Thorne is like a younger Ira Glass. Right, mm. so he's probably a few years younger From than my, us. Um, my American, this American life, this American life, yeah. So he started a podcast. He was one of the first podcasts, and it was called like Young America or something. And he started interviewing people, and he's gone on to do a ton of great things. But the turnaround is where he interviews a lot of people who interview people for a living. Mm. So he, that is a cool angle. Yeah. So Ira Glass, Katie Couric, um, Mark Maron, uh, what's his name? Uh, Joe Rogan, Larry King. He did not have Joe Rogan. Um, um, who's the one who does all the great interviews for NPR? What's her name? Uh, Terry Gross. Terry Gross. From Fresh Air. Yes. Um, and he would ask them about things. And um, he asked Terry Gross like how much preparation she does. And it's unfucking real A lot. She, would, she said she used to read the whole book if she was interviewing an author. Right? Read the whole book. And she's got an A plan, and then if that's not going to go well, she's got a B plan and a C plan. And obviously, those shows are highly edited and highly produced and stuff. You and she I also can... does them remotely, so she can look at you know, like she. No, she but does I'm saying like studio. more preparation than I've probably done like ever combined. <laughs> right. She does for one episode, <laughs> right? And Ira Glass says we'll go to a town and get hundreds of hours of tape. We might use a clip, mm. right? And then on the other side. He had Larry King, who, you know, Larry kind of became a joke about himself towards the end. But Larry said this great phrase, I want the audience to learn as I do. So I don't want to go in with any perceived notions. And that's how I look at it, right? So what's the answer? There's no right way. Yeah. So that really kind of, again, use that term right-sized me. Like, dude, if it works for you to write questions, great. If yeah, it doesn't, it's a personal it, style. If it doesn't, it doesn't. When people are bad at it, and I'm sure now that you're in the podcasting world, people are going to ask to be on your show and you're going to ask people and whatever. Like people that aren't good at it, it becomes very like your turn, my turn. And those are the worst, right? The worst. And I had a guest recently who shall remain nameless who uh, I won't use it. I won't use – I, I knew five minutes into it I wasn't going to use it because that's what it was. I'd ask him a question and he would talk and talk and talk and then stop, Right. And at first, I kind of look at it as like a challenge. Like, all right, well, let me see if I can maybe. Yeah. But it's like, nope, this guy's on a PR mission. And that's not what my show's about. Mm. And see you later. So how do you not <laughs> How do you not publish it? Because I know you did that with Dave Clapper, who's a friend of mine too. But Sorry, I think, Dave. I think he had asked, you know. But like, how do you, <laughs> did I just throw him under the bus? No, Dave, it's fine. <laughs> Dave, Dave came in at a time when I was interviewing, I'm not joking, like seven people a week. Yeah. So if I'm interviewing seven people a week, how long is it going to take me to get, in three weeks, how long is it going to take me to catch up to that? I'll never catch up. I had to slow down. Um, and then Dave was like, we talked about some things he didn't want me to air. So Dave's cool. Yeah. But how do you, how do you not air somebody, something like I just highly edit, you know, if somebody is not great on the mic, some people have amazing, brilliant because, ideas. Because if you do it long enough, you'll have a plethora of content that, yeah. that you don't need to use. I mean, 
Here's the thing. Again, I get reached out to a lot, right? I just got one today. And this is good for me. For It means my Google is doing its job yeah. or my reputation is doing a good job of what the Atlanta podcast is. Hey, I'm this Atlanta business. You definitely want to talk to me because X, Y, Z. Sure. And if I'm not genuinely interested, it's I'm not, not going to translate. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And uh, I can give a real world example where I, because like, you know, there's also like business that you can get out of it, relationships, like all the reasons podcasts can be good. And there's nothing, by the way, nothing wrong. I'm not judging anybody. But like, if I just wanted to eat for free in this town, I could just interview chefs. Right? Right. And I'd probably have an open table whenever I wanted. Right? But that's not the show I do. So I have interviewed chefs, but I'm not going to interview everybody that sends me a thing that says, oh, we're the latest, greatest thing and come talk to me. So um, I don't want to throw anybody in the bus. I'll just say there was a particular <laughs> episode I did for a, for a sort of a favor and I talked to the person and they weren't that great and I wasn't that interested and I tried to be, and it ended up being a really, really short episode. Mm. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm not going to do this again. Yeah. So um, I actually did a recent one where I got invited to something. So this might be cool. It's probably going to be super PR-ish. But sometimes you get someone, like even though it's in that PR world, like you'll get a real person, like you or me or like Trip or like many of the people who are, and then it's great. But if they're just like, you know, I'm just, I just did a thing with my hand where, <laughs> like I said, they're there to do, you know, a freaking, you know, a they, they think it's a two minute yeah. radio drop. It's yeah. like, it's not that. It's like, we're, we're going to have a real conversation here. And, you know, you say like, you, you you seem so pleasantly surprised by this conversation. To me, like that is what podcasting is now. Yeah. This old boring radio style has gone out the window, I feel like, don't you think? Yeah, that's true. But I think I sit, I, I sit and listen to yours and I marvel, <coughs> excuse me, at how entertaining it can be. Hold on. Um, I, I marvel at how easy it is to have a conversation and have it be interesting and funny. So I know you've, you've interviewed Nick Tapp a couple of times. He's, Did you hear those? Yeah. Oh, okay. Of course. I didn't know you listened to a lot. I thought you just listened to Trip because you wanted to hear me before I came on the show. I did, and I I did because of Trip, and I um, listened to Nick because I know Nick as well. Right. Um, hey, Nick. Hey, Nick. <laughs> but I just thought it was interesting how off the cuff it seems, but it works, you know? Um, and, and maybe me being new into podcasting that maybe I don't trust myself as right, much right. to go into that. So part of it is it's all a journey, right? I'm all figuring it out too. Right. I mean, this conversation we're having is what it's supposed to be, right? Yeah. You're learning about me. I'm learning about you. Um, I think... I think it is a muscle like anything else. And that's another thing that I will say is that I sort of, I don't think I get, so real quickly, so I did stand up. That was my, yes. so I did stand up for 10 years. That was such a fun conversation to learn on the, oh, right, right, right. the so episode. Heard, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So, um, so yes, yeah, so that's actually a great episode for you to hear because you actually did, did learn that like, that's what I thought it was about, right? I thought, okay, everyone tells me I'm funny. Mm-hmm. I should try to do this. And it was always this means to an end. I want to get, I want women to like me. I want to make money. I want to be famous. Like all the wrong reasons. Everybody- I was howling laughing, by the way, because Matt's like, you know, back then I wanted to get drunk, get laid, get some hookers. Right, right. Totally. That was <laughs> like, in LA. Like that's so going to be, that was my dream. Right. That was legit. My, you know, when you say what's different about you, that's my goal. Right. And then, you know, what I have, 
you know, I could start crying is my wife and my three children. Like that's, yeah. that's, that was the dream all along that I didn't know was like yeah. buried inside me. You know what I mean? Cause I was, yeah. I had all these, but you're young and you learn and whatever. But so, th- so doing this, right. And people say, you're really good at it. And I go, well, it's just talking to people like that. I'd sort of like brush it off. And then I've started to embrace it as a skill, right? Because again, a thing that again comes up with entrepreneurs is your value, Right. And somebody gave me a great phrase. You know, you used to love it when people give you great shit. I was being I was being asked to host this show, you know, and they never want to pay. Not never. Certainly they don't want to pay. They're like, well, we're doing you the favor, right? We're going to put you on our channel. And my friend goes, they're, they're not paying you for the three hours of time. They're paying for what's in your head. Yeah. And that's what you've spent seven years building, right? And someone else, like it's become like a meme, like they're not paying you for the time, they're paying for the 10 years leading up to it. Mm-hmm. So what they're like, they're, it's you, Matt. It's not, right? So that that's what made it really work for me is that I have a particular skill set, life experience that I bring that is unique to me. And um, it's, it, again, it's like, well, how do I get better at that? Like, how do I get better at just, t- if, if that's what I do? And I think what you said, it's all about trusting your voice. And I, and I and I fall back on a lot. If I'm interested, the audience probably is too. And then it just becomes... That's a good clip. If I'm interested, maybe the audience is too. There probably are. Because you want to find the niche audience, right? You want to find the minimum viable audience. Well, I'm saying, I'm saying like if you and I are sitting here talking yeah. and I and I think about asking you about these skateboards because I'm curious, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Well, the audience gets to see the skate, but I'm saying that, so that's just, that's just what I go with, right? And again, that's, that's that Larry Key thing who again, like you can make fun of Larry King like, San Diego, you're on the call. And he's kind of this, but he, he did not want to prepare. He's like, let me talk to this guest, learn about them. And then the audience, we're going this journey together. Yeah. About learning about this guy, but that's not wrong because Terry Gross spends five hours right. with seven different paths to go down, right? Like, oh my God. So whatever works for you is whatever works for you. And I have made notes early on. I think I'd make notes like, I have to ask him about this. But again, it just seems to kind of come out. And once in a while, I will forget. I'll be like, oh, I never asked him this or that. The one thing that I want to get better at that I hear is I don't care about saying like some people edit out like every um and ah, and I don't do that either. I don't do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's not how people talk, but I will, especially at the beginning. I'm, I think about it like, like it takes me a while to get started, and that always bothers me. And I don't know why I do it. I think it's just some sort of self conscious nervousness where I'm like, so tell me about, so tell me about, um, Oh, you went to Greece last week, right? And it's right. like, then I'll do that a few times during the show. And I'm like, well, should I edit that out? <laughs> anyway, it's stupid stuff that most people don't. Oh, that was the other thing is that I started to think really differently about this um and ah thing. I'm like, well, people always, and then I listened to an interview on NPR and I'm like, that host is saying like and um all the time. Yeah. It's not a big deal. No. But I, so here's something that really struck me with your interview with Trip, And that Trip was talking about developing content. And he was talking, and this really struck me, it made so much sense that he had this huge runaway hit with conference calls (laughs) in real life and shit nobody says and all these other subsequent videos. So he was just hunting around looking for sponsors to be able to create when all he wanted to do was just to create and then somebody pay him. But that's not how it works. And so... I was thinking, and I I heard you talking about, you know, I thought about this idea that, oh, I can make this kind of silly thing that's 
off the top of my head and make it into a video, maybe it'll go viral. Right. And it's almost like this monetization, paralyzation. Right. And so your job, your whole job, right. whether it's a podcast, whether it's ORM, uh, <laughs> um, is to develop content. And it's got to be good and it's got to be funny. Right. And I'm wondering, how how do you continually be in that where you're always looking? It, it almost is like a, a joyless journey to only be looking for what's going to go viral right which then just right which is why which is why you can't which is why which is why it's a it's it's the path to doom i've i related to that not you know because i'm trying to figure out like i can produce a podcast episode and put it out and it can sound great but all the rest of it like social media and branding and stuff that i'm really trying to figure out right i am lost at it you know and like some things will I'm be gonna, popular I'm, some won't. I'm going to I'm going to assume that you've you've listened to Gary Vee. Not as much as I should. Okay. Well, I, I have not. Okay. I have not. I know so, he's like all over the feeds. Well, he's all over the feeds and he's got some basic principles that he repeats a lot. So once you dive in and and like I would listen to his podcast every day and once I did that for I don't know a year, maybe less, then it's like okay, I just I get I need a nice refresher once in a while. And there's a couple of themes he has and that is speed over everything. Meaning, like, if you wait till it's perfect, you're never going to be able to put it out, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and like, nothing's, like, nothing's a bad idea. Like, who cares? Like, um, if something, if you, if you say, if you're like, well, I'm going to do this whole series, let me get, like, six or seven of them ready. And it's like, just fucking do it. Just put out the first one. If it doesn't yeah. work, who cares? And he was exactly right because he... You know, that story he told is amazing. Go listen to that episode where the Reader's Digest version is they flew to Hollywood and had all these meetings and drew up on napkins how much money they were going to make and who owned the company and they never made another video because they got lost in that. Yeah. And so, you know, I I told the story of I made this video with my kids, which was like a a gut thing. I bet this will be funny. People loved it. And then I immediately went into that phrase like, well... I should do one of these a week with my kids and blah, blah, blah. And then I didn't. Or I made the next one and it didn't wasn't as well liked. Did it I, just not feel like it was authentic? Or did you feel like you were chasing the wrong path? I just feel like there's you you can't ever get hung up on that. Like like I say this all the time. My Obscurious Media podcast is 400 episodes. I never think twice. I listen, I edit, I put it up, and I just get it out in the world. However, Atlanta is like my precious little baby, which is still new and is still growing. When did you start that? Well, I started it two years ago. Um, I started, so 2017, so two and a half years coming up on. And I'm like, so let's say I have three in the can. Let's say I have Trip and Nick and somebody that's like slightly more famous, quote unquote. It's like, well, which one do I put up first? I haven't put up anybody that famous in a while. If You know what I mean? I get into all that shit. Yeah. And I don't feel that at all with, with the ORM stuff. You know, we've got 40,000 followers. I just put stuff out. I just crank it, which is right. the answer. That's the answer. Yeah. Like, just keep cranking. And then you make adjustments on the way, whether whether it worked, what's getting engaging. You know, there's a thousand X's and O's on what's engaging and how to, and like, you know, Gary will tell you, like, pay for nothing. Anybody who's paying to sell you that stuff has never built a business. Like, Gary always says, like, I give this away for free because I'm a real practitioner because I've actually grown a business. So most of the people, most of the people who are out trying to sell you some course, like, have teach you, like, they're there to sell you a course. They've never built anything. They've never, yeah. like, the, I have more followers than them many times. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So my goal isn't for it to go viral. My, my goal is to put out something good. And... 
I do silly stuff all the time because that's that's what's natural for me is to be silly and funny. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And that's what's great about a story is that it's gone in 24 hours, right? But how do you manage the external validation that is wrapped around the social media when you're thinking, can I make money at this? You know, like you're making a living right. at uh, at creating content. Right. For me, it's a hobby right now, but I right. would love to figure out how to monetize right. it as well. So how do, you, how do you kind of do that? Well, you know, for me, um, I... You know, are you a good salesperson? Do you like sales? I love sales. Great. So pick up the phone. Yeah. That's another thing that Gary says. Get, you know, what was okay. So let's, let's just want to just go through like All a right. real world let's thing. Do it. All right. So what is, what is your mission with your podcast? My mission is to, well, I interview culture changers. So my, okay. my real mission is that people listening are going to have their perspective shifted enough where they are inspired to act. And make their own contribution. Awesome. So who's like an ideal sponsor for you? Who do you think would be ideally a sponsor for this show? Uh, um, any um, startup. Okay. Any startup. Any like uh, incubator. Any tech startup. That, that, that would be your sponsor? That would be who would pay you to put out the show, you mean? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm I just, just throwing whatever. Well, I'm just saying, like, top of my head. I'm like, all right. They might not have <laughs> any investors. <laughs> they might not have any money to spend. Right. Is what I'm saying. Right. Right. Um. You know. This is why it's not as well thought out as it should. But that's be. fine. It yeah. can be ugly and messy, and that's fine. Yeah. Um. And that's how we get good at this. Is that you know, like he would say, you know, if you've got, if you've got, like he's like, mm. I have. You know, when he had a wine blog, he would like literally just like. There wasn't even Google. I said, I think he used the yellow pages and was like, hey, I've got a wine blog. Um, I'm putting stuff out. If you want me to like do your store, I can put, I'll put you on my blog Yeah. for 200 bucks. No, click, you know, same call, click, same call, click. So finally, finally, someone's like, I can't give you 300. I'll give you 200. Great. Sold. Click next. And that's to me like old school smiling and dialing. Although these days you can do it through IG right? Which is even faster than when I started doing it. It was emailing um, and calling. And then eventually someone's going to say yes. And, you know, then it's just, like I said, you throw out a figure and whatever they give you is more than you're getting. So just say yes. If you're really lucky, they'll say yes to your first number. But if not, and then you sort of like graduate your prices, et cetera, et cetera. Or someone says like, hey, you know, we want to make you our whatever, like we're the this startup and we're going to give you money to host on yeah. our platform or whatever it is. Um, but it's all trial and error. You know what I mean? Like I've made very little money with the Atlanta podcast. So it's a hobby for me. Do you monetize it or what do you, well, what, I what use, is your mission with it? Why the Atlanta podcast? Why'd you start it? Because I was having, because I'm really good at interviewing. I have a lot of fun interviewing people about obstacle racing, but I don't want to talk about obstacle racing all the time. Mm. So I'm like, why don't I just call it the Atlanta podcast? atlantapodcast.com it's not been taken no way (laughs) and then I kept looking on iTunes for the Atlanta podcast and it wasn't there so I looked for about two years I kept checking I kept checking when I finally launched in July of 2017 the other Atlanta podcast that started in like three months before it I'm like screw it I'm still going with it you learned your lesson well they didn't (laughs) buy they they still didn't buy the domain so stupidly sorry guys so I own the domain and so I'm crushing it in search right and that's just that's like just kind of basic SEO knowledge that they didn't do. And maybe they don't care. Maybe they're just having fun, whatever. But I can tell you I'm getting reached out to a lot, which means that it's doing its job, right? Um, So ultimately, if somebody said, people have reached out to me and I've done a little bit of cold calling, but not much saying, hey, do you want to sponsor the show? Or I had a couple guests 
you know, my friend Jonathan who owns, um, I can't think of the name of it, Jonathan. I'm really sorry. Blue Durango. Blue Durango iced tea and uh, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lake House coffee. Yeah. He's like, well, I'll throw you a few bucks to give you some free coffee, right? Um, but, you know, uh, it's always, if you want to do it, do it because it's fun for you. Yeah. And then you can figure out, you know, there's so many different tactics about social media. What I tell people is um, you're never going to have time for all of them, all of the channels so pick one or two and just go ham right so for me it's instagram and for atlanta podcast that's really like I, there's a facebook page for atlanta podcast i barely touch it way more traction on instagram so i'm all in on instagram so i'm pe- finding that that's more and more the case that people will auto publish to facebook through instagram you know just to have it out there but, but that's nobody's ba- engaged there anymore well first of all you should never auto publish to both you should it's two different languages so you should always take the time to do it separately even if it's the same text mostly take the extra minute and do it separately it's a it's personal feeling i have and you'll just people can tell just feels lazy and people can tell like oh they didn't they didn't change the at signs this is just they didn't even bother to they engage differently it's a different culture it's a different thing um some people are crazy on snapchat and tiktok because lots is happening over there i'm not but does that mean I'm wrong? No. It Are just, kids on TikTok? Uh, yes, but they used to say that about Snap and they used to say that about Facebook. So yeah. some people do really well with Twitter. I've never done that well on Twitter. So yeah. have you messed with Twitter at all or no? No, I I went, uh, I, I have not on purpose. I think it's it's too much, I think. And I don't know how to keep it down to 140 characters right. or 120 characters. So right. I like my long form. <laughs> right. And... You know, again, it depends on audience. I have a friend who runs a like the CrossFit version of what I do, and his audience is not on Facebook at all. Mm. His face, his audience is all Instagram and YouTube. I'm actually finding more engagement on LinkedIn, which well, makes sense because these are you know a lot of people that are listening are right. entrepreneurs and they're activists. Then that's where people, you should put yeah. put your time. I mean, everyone you'll hear people you'll hear people at conferences say like. YouTube is the second most search search engine after Google, so you should put your stuff there. So I've still not spent that much time there, but it's like if you just put a little bit, one person could find you, right? If you if you if you're doing this and you auto publish it to YouTube, which I do recommend, right? It's just, that's just going to save you time, like auto publish it to YouTube, yeah. and then you can go through and change some captions if you want to, <clears throat> and then somebody's googling, you know, Atlanta culture startup whatever, and you come up great. You just got one listener. There you go. Yeah. What about, um, where do you see, like you have a different perspective. And again, this is all based on your interests, right? So have you been able over the past two years to be able to see and watch and kind of dial into some trends that are happening happening in Atlanta? Why are you giving me that face? Because I, because like, I've, that's never been my show. That's not your show. No. Yeah. Um, because you had you had you had interviewed I I didn't listen to it yet but I saw the headline of the guy I think that did the Mercedes Benz Stadium theater or he did what did he do he did something where he was like part of the development of Atlanta. Um. Well, okay. So if you wanted to, if you wanted like trendy stuff, like yeah. talk to people about CBD and crypto. Yeah. Zero interest in that. Right. I mean, actually, crypto. A year ago, I had. A, Maybe it's been two years now. I had a lot of interest because my friend Rob, hey Rob, if you're listening, was big, big, big on it. And so I thought about having someone on that could explain it to me. Again, my interest, I genuinely would want to learn about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, 
you know, I'm going to do that and like hope that someone catches me on a like Google crypto. It's like, I mean, you may as well just hashtag crypto on an Instagram post that you don't care about. Right. But like, there's a thousand CBD podcast, like my industry, all fitness industry. Hey, we're talking to CBD guy. I I could give a shit. But if you're (laughs) genuinely interested, no offense. Right. I have a friend who runs a CBD business and I actually did have him on Joe. Joe, I need to have you back on. Joe is a friend of mine. He started the Georgia Hemp Company. And I interviewed him because I've known him for 12 years since he used to be at 790 The Zone. And so we talked a little bit about like the... Wait, did you work in radio? No, I had a staffing company and he hired me. Mm. He hired my... Like he needed like five girls, promo girls, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, but so yeah. So like it's never about what's trending. It's do I have a genuine interest, right? Do I have a genuine interest? Do I want to talk to this person? But I'm wondering... (laughs) No, I I get that. You know, of it course, seems to be blowing your mind. No, that you would do something just for fun <laughs> and not for money. I don't know. For me, I am interested genuinely in most things, whether I know about them or whether I don't know about them. So right. that's what's kind of blowing my mind. Of you know, like I'm. Uh, I guess I'm trying to figure out what is the purpose of the Atlanta podcast. What do you? Is it just so you can broadcast some conversations and have some fun conversations with it? Is there an end goal? Like, who are you hoping to have on the podcast? So the top, me. the top guests besides yourself, um, Arthur Blank, yeah, Jimmy Carter, uh, Ludacris. You imagine those are my top three. Yeah, um, have you reached out? No, isn't that hilarious? That like that's what people have said. You're like, talking about just pick up the phone and ask, I, dude. They could say no. I, same conversation with my friend Jay. Jay's new podcast, Gangster House. Listen to that one. Um, Jay used to be at How Stuff Works. He put out Atlanta Monster yeah. and all these other great stuff. Jay's amazing. Um, I'm a big fan of Payne Lindsay. Yeah. I'm yeah. not a fan of Payne Lindsay. You're not. No. I couldn't I couldn't get I tried to, right? I he, love the first one. What was it? The um Oh man. Oh, I I loved it. It's funny because if you read the comments of all the people that hate him, it's all the, that's why I didn't like him. I just he seemed to be I'm not a I actually have reached out to have him on the show though, because I thought he again fascinated with his success story. Yeah. And he's become this great, like I'm gonna pull this back because I'm like my back <clears> is starting to like Oh, relax. I'm going to relax in this. You know what? There we go. Yeah. Um, Let's move this. Um, it was working for a while, but now my back is like, but I don't want to get you cord noise, so I want to. You're fine. These are good cords. You think? Yes, these are expensive cords. Mm. So I wasn't thrilled with pain. There was so many, I couldn't even keep up. It was like, here's an episode, now here's a mini episode about some other stuff, and I just couldn't keep up. So I, I but then I did listen to, it. then I listened to Atlanta Monster, but he wasn't part of it, thankfully. He wasn't like, it was much more about, like the other people. And oh yeah. So yeah, I thought he was part of it. I lost. I lost. I lost interest in Atlanta Monster. But the first one was I thought was so good, and I never read the comments, so I don't know. Oh, what it's fun sometimes. Saying. I'm just. Oh, it's fun. I'm sometimes. afraid to do that. I'm afraid that I'll get like I have my own perspective. But if I read the comments and it's negative, and I really like it, I think I'll I'll think of it. Any big show, any big show, you're going to have a lot of both. But just like Yelp and everything else, people pay to have people say things. It's like you never know. I right? love the fact that you're saying you didn't like you don't like Payne Lindsay. <laughs> you're trying to get him on the podcast. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily a fan of his style. Or uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, um, Jay, who produces that show, what's who, Jay's last name? I don't know. Uh, Hoke H O C H. Okay, I thought it was Hawk, but it's Hoke. All right. Um. So Gangster House is out now, which I'm excited. He 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 left very well paying job at How Stuff Works to start his own company. Essentially, they're called what are you called? Something Entertainment, Imperative Entertainment. 
um, and they're going to put out. He, he, people talk about talking to me and like, you know, they get like passions really good. I get, I listen to him and I get fired up because I met him two years ago and he was like, why is everybody losing their mind about fucking cereal? There should be a hundred shows that good. There's so much crap out there. I want to make amazing content. Yeah. Like, you know, this people say this is good. It's crap. People say this. People are doing all the sponsored content. Like, there's so many great stories, and no one's like he's fired up. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. I'm with you, man. Like, whatever you're like, I'm down. Like, let's make some cool shit happen. So, um, um, I don't know where the heck we were going with this. Oh, so what do I want the podcast to be? It's yeah. like, so here's the thing you learn about me. Just you like have the, no goals, no plans. Just, just like the <laughs> obstacle racing thing, I kind of wing it. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I'm not a planner, and I don't write out budgets. Does right? your wife? Does this drive your wife nuts? No, she's definitely more of the. So I'm more of the ADD, and she's more of the OCD. But, uh-huh. but she's. <laughs> it but, works. She, but we work well together. She knows that's what I'm like. Um, and there, there are pros and cons, right? Yeah. Like I've started everything I've ever started because it seemed like fun. No business plan, no degree, no anything, and. You know, I've always said I I need that great number two that is that person or the great partner that is that person, but I've never found that person, right? And then I can just be free to be the creative genius, yeah. air yeah. quotes, <laughs> right? I can be the crazy Steve Jobs right. person, right? But um, um, so again, I just went with my gut. I bet this would be fun to talk to local people. And so speaking of which, I need to reach out to them. So how about before... I leave today. When you and I are done, I'm going to write like a buy win. Like, hey, I'm going to email these people by yeah. like tomorrow or whatever okay, it is. Perfect. But um, uh, I saw that Kevin Gillespie was opening something. That restaurant, I don't know if it's even still there, next to Whole Foods. Whole Foods where? Whole Foods at Ponce. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't realize that. And they said he was going to be there. I went to it. I shook his hand. I said, would you like to be on my podcast? I'm starting a show about Atlanta. He's like, sure. And he said yes, and he was my first guest. Mm. And then my second or third guest was Ryan Gravel, and people loved that one. You can go back and listen to that one. He is like, uh, so we're coordinating. You and Ryan? Yes. Awesome. He awesome. was like one of my top 10 list of, of people awesome. to interview. Awesome. Yeah. He, was on mine, he was on mine too. Yeah. And then I got him like, and that's the thing is like, I've had certain people who I put on my list and I got them. Ryan Gravel, King yeah. of Pops guy. Yeah. A few more. Oh, Katie Kylie, who I grew up listening to. Yeah. In the radio. Um, so um, then I was just sort of off and running. And I was like, okay, like this is this is cool, man. And so, you know, I met Nick. Nick had heard about it. I was in I was in Nick's marketing group. Nick I started Tapp. I started posting a couple episodes. And uh, he was like, This is great. And then he's introduced me to a ton of great guests. And if I could make a living, I had, a, I had, a, I actually had a coach, this woman who was a, like a, like a coach coach, you know what I mean? And she said, if you could do anything tomorrow, like what would you do? Like if you just like maybe imagine, I'd say just, I'd spend all day interviewing people. She goes, okay, great. Why don't you go do that? And then I wouldn't, then I started doing it. Wow. So, um, it's really is that whole like, and then the money will come and the money hasn't come to the Atlanta show yet, but that's like, I'm okay with it. Cause I'm making yeah. a living doing this other thing, which also started as a side hustle, Right. Like I had, I had another business and then I started this other thing and I just sort of trust that. And again, I know people that would never work for it. They're like, they can't, they don't leave their job till they have like 250,000 in the bank. Yeah. And that's just never been me. Yeah. That, um, I, and I'm wondering about like, first of all, when you, you and Trip had talked about, um, 
I forget who was it that you interviewed. I'm totally losing my train of thought. It's okay. That's great. <laughs> oh, you know what I was thinking about? <laughs> I I know I asked you this and you said nobody has ever told you this, but I so get the Jimmy Kimmel vibe from you. Like I think you look like him, you laugh like him. Even okay. your voice sounds and talks like him as well. So when I think of, I don't know, like I'm... I think or, of him as like a total everyman though, right? Yeah, but you kind of look like him. Okay. But apparently nobody's told you this. Nobody's so told me this. it's just me. Yes. It's just me. But I get I get the Jimmy Kimmel thing. So when you think about like... <laughs> Who do people say you look like? Um, oh, I'm, I am I would be embarrassed to say. Let's let's go there. People say... Let's take I a look, risk. Uh, risk is my maiden name, believe it or not. <laughs> Um, people, oh, I'm getting completely red because it is embarrassing for her, but people tell me I look like Robin Mead. You do look like Robin Mead. <laughs> but, uh, I would have never guessed it, but you do have, <laughs> when you smile, especially. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's mortifying for her. Why think, is it mortifying for her? I don't, I don't know. I don't look anything like Robin Mead, but maybe. Well, hang on a second. Know. Hang on a second. Why you is have it completely? <laughs> why yeah. is it mortifying for her? I don't, I, I'm, I'm not Robin Mead beautiful. Okay, so you so you're comfortable saying I'm beautiful, but not Robin Mead beautiful. Um, I have my own look, I guess. Okay, all right. I don't know what that means. Okay, I was just thought Who it'd be put fun. Me in the hot. Seat? I thought it'd be fun to challenge you for a second. I will let you go back to whatever. Who do people tell you look like? When I was younger, I got um, Christian Slater a lot. Oh, and the voice. And the voice, like I so so one of the happiest probably I ever was when I was in my like, early twenties. These like two like teenagers saw me at like. A fucking McDonald's or something, and they were like, "Are you Christian Slater?" And I was like, "No, I'm not." They're like, "Oh my god, you're definitely him. You sound like him too." <laughs> like it made their day, and I like, I'm telling you, I'm not him. So, uh, but yeah, that was the one I used to get, but not so much anymore. No, and nobody tells you anything. But else. I would really love to meet Christian Slater because I want to tell him that, and because I'm of the age as you are, where he was our dude. He was our dude. He was the dude. But do you remember he was like Jack Nicholson light? Exactly. Like younger Jack Nicholson. Exactly. Exactly. So I had, I loved back then, I loved him, Christian Slater and Ethan Hawke. So I like oh, these brooding, you of know, course. dudes. <laughs> of course. That were like artsy and, and uh, whatever. Right. So that was kind of my thing in the 90s. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me what is next for you? Keep, keep doing this stuff. Keep doing it. <laughs> That's all. You're going to Greece. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not big on, you know, like I don't have a retirement plan. Maybe that's idiotic, but I don't. You, you know I what I mean? I can't tell. Like I, I'm having heart palpitations as you're saying, like I don't have a retirement plan. And then I'm thinking at the same time, like what would it be, what would it be like to just let go and it was going to be okay? Well, you so know, like so, is that so, a self-trust so, thing? Well, so here's an interesting thing. So- Again, so a Gary Vee thing is like you're born an entrepreneur or you're not. He really believes that. And I do too because I've been at jo- – when the last time I've I've been like on a job, job, like it makes me like uncomfortable. Would your skin crawl if you had to work, walk in a corporate office? No, exa- yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And it did – even when I was 20, it did. But I just thought, well, I'm going to be a famous comedian, so this is temporary. <laughs> but even then I did. But even now when I do – when I do like, so I've worked, I've hosted, I've done things. And like, when I get the email, that's like, Hey, be there at seven in the morning. Like there's this rebellious part of me. That's like, well, fuck you. I make my own schedule. Like, what do you mean? But, but like, I can be a good, you know, I can be a good, uh, 
what's the word? Employee, I guess, or whatever the word is when I need to. And I think that's the, for those of you listening who are thinking about being an entrepreneur and think you'll never work for anybody again, like that's the big joke. When you own a business, and again, Gary talks about this, you're accountable to everybody. Yeah. Everybody that write, everybody that pays you. Yeah. Everybody that you pay. That's what I learned in the staffing company. So you've got to answer to somebody. But anyway, um, were you always, were you always so, um, Confident in your approach. No. I would think that in your 40s <laughs> that you come into your own, but I could not imagine you or me as a 25-year-old Mess. walking into a corporate office and saying, fuck you, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to be a famous comedian well, someday. Well, that's the thing that Gary talks about. Gary, I'm sorry to just make this like the Gary thing. but This always, is the Gary show. I'm just going to put it as Gary V. So is this like Back to the Future meets... Yep meets something yep so we're in my husband's office and my husband's got this weird thing of art um and and this will make sense with the skateboards too is that his favorite movie growing up is back to the future right and when he saw that movie he wanted to get on a skateboard and you'll see there's one two three he's on a skateboard right now um he's having lunch with back to the future two is the one with the skateboards isn't it no, the first one. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's 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 being dragged behind the thing. In two, he yes. gets the hoverboards. Yeah. So he's got this like weird art, uh, framed art of a DeLorean, um, and it's kind of cool. But, but it's there's a there's like a Japanese rising sun behind it. Yeah. You know what? That is a good. You want, <laughs> do you want to hear my Michael J. Fox impression? Please do it. <clears throat> you made a time machine out of a DeLorean. That was really bad. But that's I was, that I was, was little, terrible. I, I had I had it was so much better in my voice. It was so much better in my head. <laughs> Just that line when he's like, out of a DeLorean. You know, he makes a weird... Anyway, sorry. It was really horrible. He does get high voice, though. But um, Chris so, loves... My husband loves um, Back to the Future. Um, great movie. Great film. Amazing. Um, I watch it with my kids. They like it. Um, How old are your kids? 12, 10, and 6. So Jackson really likes it. Jackson's the 10-year-old. Okay. Jackson's the one I'm the bonded with the yeah. most. Do you have a favorite? Wait. You said you're bonded with Jack... You're bonded with the middle one? Yes. Why? Most. Is he like you? Well, yes, but I. But hang on a second. Do you have a favorite? Oh, I don't like this question. You're putting me on the hot seat here. Um, Let's assume your kids aren't going to hear this for a long time. Oh, I don't have a favorite, but they they are very different. Um, I'll explain why. So my son is just like my husband. Right. He's kind. He's gentle. He is sweet. He's more shy. Right. Um, my daughter is just like me. She is all fire. Right. And we worked so hard to get her. We did IVF with her. What's that? Uh, in vitro fertilization. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. So we did IVF with her. We wanted a girl. We got lucky. We got this little girl. So I, uh, I am delighted every day to have this little girl that I can spoil and put in dresses and right. you know do all the girly things. But my son just. He just is like a walking heart, you know, that's exploding all the time. I'm going to say your son's your favorite and it's okay. Parents, (laughs) you're lying to yourself. You say you don't have a favorite, whether it's twins, whatever. So Jackson's my favorite. All right. Is he like you? He's exactly like me. Mm. And um, that's probably- Do you like yourself? I do. Good. I didn't. When you said 25, I didn't. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe even 10 years ago, I don't think I did. What was the turning point? Well, I've done a lot of work on myself. (laughs) Through therapy or through all of it, in everything, all of it. Therapy, twelve step. I was in a men's group for a long time. I went to a lot of seminars. I've read a lot of books. So here's what I thought too: when you were talking about when you found racing, and right. you thought you were saying I had to do everything. I just wanted to immerse myself right. and just 
be in this spot like if I could feel this good. Right. I'm assuming that was part of the the I don't know of healing or a part of the journey of you kind of coming into more confident you. Well, listen. I've I've I heard by the way, I've heard that 12 step and AA Right. Um, like I listen to Dax Shepard all the time. Do you right. listen yes, to the yes, armchair yes. expert? Like he, I don't know what it is, but whatever he learned from there is so sage it, and so amazing. Right. Well, because it's pretty basic. It's pretty basic life stuff. Yeah. Um. Uh, let me let me rephrase that. It's the same t- tenets that any of these courses that are about working yourself are about, and that's usually first and foremost. I'm responsible for everything. Right? That's like the first one. I'm not... I used to say like, well, I'm not a victim. Like, people who are victims are always complaining. But if I'm telling you that my mother did this and this and this to me, right? Then I'm being a victim, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's kind of the big one. You know, in a, in 12-step, we call it your side of the street, right? So I keep my side of the street clean, right? And then what you do with your side of the street is something... I mean, that's more Al-Anon, mm-hmm. actually, is like completely different... <laughs> Right? Were you also involved in Al-Anon? Well, everybody, pretty much, pretty much everybody could use Al-Anon too. Yeah. Right? Really good tenants about, it's about like, we can't control their people. Right? And, um, uh, you know, they, they talk about a daily 10 step and that's, that's what that's about. Like, okay, who have I hurt today, whether I meant to or not? Mm. It's kind of a big one. Right? So it's it's massive when you want to take that kind of ownership, and I am not. I'm far from perfect. I I have friends that we text and send messages and bitch about things all the time. Um, and by the way, we're not Mother mm-hmm. Teresa. It's okay to like dump. Yeah, like it's okay too. Um, but you know, um, this is so why I don't spend much time on Facebook. Facebook is a lot of political, either side. Yeah, and then this is how the world wronged me today. Like, yeah. that's what posts are about. And that's mm-hmm. toxic shit, right? Can you believe they didn't bring me my salad and then the waitress was such a bit? Yeah, fuck her. Don't go back. <laughs> Write a review, you know? But right? right? And I can, trust me, I can go there too. But it's just, it's like, so that's, I think, why Dax and, you know, Marin talks about it. Those of us that have been in those rooms, we just kind of like own your shit and be a good person and help, you know. But do you feel like through those processes have kind of baked into how you the lens that you see through each well, day. Well, yeah. If you go to meetings for fucking twenty years, right? Yeah. And have you? Do you still go to meetings? Oh yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I think the other one is like I, I kind of want to go to one. I don't totally. Know. It's anonymous. I barely even drink. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to say anything. Even yeah. when they say, "Is there anyone new here today for the first time?" You don't have to say anything. You yeah. never have to say a word. Um, and and people might come up to you, and it'll be because they can tell when you're new because you look like it, and they're yeah. like, "Are you new? What's going on?" And that's fine. I barely even drink. Um. Well. Check out Al-Anon. You might, seriously. (laughs) Al-Anon's great for any parent because you realize you can't control your fucking kids. Um, That's actually a really great idea. Just spend some time at Al-Anon. Good stuff. Um, But what was I saying? Um, The being, okay, so the being of service thing. Well, there's like, again, they just keep coming up. Like being a worker among workers, being of service. So if I go to my job and I hate my boss and I just fucking hate him. Now, first of all, I should probably eventually leave that job, Right. But in the meantime, what if I shift my perspective from fuck this guy, right? So everything I see is through the lens of fuck this guy or how can I be of service to him today? How can I be of service to the company today, right? 
You're, yes. just, you're just looking at me. No, I'm waiting for the rest of it. Because it's it's a different because it's very different. Yeah. Well, you, so as you were saying that, I'm thinking, do you have to check yourself, or can it be something where it becomes second nature? Because you know, if somebody is wronging you or or being an asshole, and sometimes you're just tired, you don't feel like right. You know, being Pollyanna or whatever. Um, and I guess you know, like the more you practice, or at least being being of service. Sounds like such a great way to be, but not always practical in real life. Uh, no. And part of it is always a practice, right? So it's always... Right. But I think that's... And that's what meetings are for. People in program is like, hey, uh, I am I notice I've just yelled at like five people in traffic. So the problem is probably me. Yeah. My dad used to say that. My dad used to say, if I run into three assholes, then by the third one, it's probably me. <laughs> right? Common denominator. But you understand that there are people who go through life that way. Yeah. I went... So I live in the West End. Okay. The post office um, was supposed to, like they closed for an hour, like for lunch. And so 209, you wouldn't believe. Like the line's there, the door's shut. It's 209. Mm. They're nine minutes late, right? You you would think like on the other side of that door was food and water for the apocalypse. (laughs) And I just went, I think I'll come back later. Yeah. Right? And again, not that I haven't been that person who sees a long line. So speaking of funny videos, we'll come full circle and then- it sounds like you want to wrap up. Like we go, I want to do a video about this. We go to the airport. We've all been to the airport expecting no line at check-in, <laughs> no line going through the thing, no line getting on the plane. Like we expect that. Guess what? Every single, t- every, every time. single time you go, right? Every single time you go to the airport, if there are going to be thousands of other people flying that day. So to show up in line and go, ah, God, not enough people working. What is, I hate fucking coming to this. You know, all the shit that people do. And I literally will, will like put on music if I hear that going on around me because yeah. I don't, it, it, it can get me sucked in or that I'm just judging them. You know, these fucking, like these fucking idiots are cursed, bitching about these fucking idiots. So, right. Are you teaching your kids some of these tenants? Is it really important? Which ten? Which all the tenants that you learn about, you know, being of service and and that kind of thing. Dude, we try, but who, I mean, on their own. I mean, well, it's just like <laughs> listen, listen. We think we're doing everything right. Yeah. We know we're not perfect, and at the end of the day, they're going to have the issues that they have. Yeah, you know, I try, quote unquote, try to. So I didn't do that well in school. Um, I don't put a lot of like to me like where they go to school. Like none of that's that important to me. Like they get into college, they don't get into college. Not important to me. I've made a great life for myself without doing that. My wife has made a great life for herself without doing that. She's a little more on the school thing than I am. But so my thing is, did you give your best? Did you make an effort? Right? Yeah. You know, Jesse actually talks about this. Praise the effort. Right? Don't don't go too crazy either way, which is I think that's a, that's pretty good, right? Like, oh, you're so wonderful. Try not to go like praise the effort. So I try to do that. And I hope that's what they that's what Jackson gets, right? Yeah. Um, now he's getting older and older and the consequences are going to get worse. He's the kind of kid that doesn't lift a book and can probably make C's, but sometimes that's a D. C's get degrees. Sometimes, but sometimes that's a D. Yeah. Right. And sometimes that's, you know, worse. So, um, um, I think we, you know, someone said this to me when they were born and I try to remember that. Um, when you, kids Kids that see mom and dad loving each other, that's it. Like that's the most important thing yeah. above all. That's what they're watching and learning from. So I kind of like, all right, we're doing a pretty good job, right? 
I think that's actually the key too. Right. You know, and one of the people, one of the type of people that I want to have on is how to, how to raise great children when you have an unstable home. You know, I think that'd be interesting. You mean like only one parent? Either only one parent, but what if you live in an abusive situation? You're still trying to raise great kids, you know, like you're, you're trying to figure it out, you know? Um, and I, 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 I'm wondering, like my husband and I, I am deeply in love with my husband and I, we show it, we're very intentional that we are, you know, we, we show it in front of the kids. My husband, my son will say, daddy's sexy because he hears mommy saying it, you know, dude, what a great (laughs) wife. Can I just say what a great wife? Now, let me ask you this. Yeah. Talk about intentional. Is that something that if you haven't said it in a while, you'll say it, even if you're not feeling it, or you just make sure you say it? Because that's, that's I think, again- I don't know that I think about it. I think it's kind of, like, we don't fight a lot, but when we do, I think, you know, we, we try and actually make up in front of them. We try and, you know, um, to- I, I personally think that a great relationship is not necessarily how well you treat each other, but how well you fight. I would agree. You know, like how do you handle conflict together? Because conflict is inevitable. So that's kind of our our theory on it. Um, it seems to work for now. My husband is a fucking god to me. Dude. I think he's uh, he is. I'm I'm very very lucky to have um, the man that I have, and uh, I, and I found him later in life. I uh, was thirty four when I met him, and thirty seven when we married. We got married at thirty four as well. Interesting. Now let me ask you: Do you have girlfriends that? you find have that conversation with you or do you have girlfriends that you find like oh, this woman is always just kind of bitching about her kids or her what husband conversation like whatever you talk about yeah like if they're just like like my like my wife has a couple friends that like text chains whatever and they joke a lot about whatever but they also can rely on each other when they need it yeah but like there are people that that's what they do they bitch about their kids they bitch about their husband and they wonder why their life is miserable i don't really have friends like that okay but great I think that's on purpose Right. Because I think when I hear that, I don't Exactly. Well that's what I'm saying. Is that I don't I don't attract that. But again, you know, there are some people that are um in a journey. Like they could be in a bad marriage or right. in something and some of it is just trying to figure it out. But to this point I don't really have friends that are like that. Right. And if I do, I, I'm not very close to them. Right. Okay. So not on purpose. I okay. just am, so you know the whole how do I attract. Right. So you know the whole love language, right? I sure do. Okay. So what are you? So I am physical touch slash quality time. Right. My husband is acts of service. Total opposite with us. And as a young man, when I didn't know this, right, it caused friction because I'm super affectionate, right? And my wife is like, get off me, right? My husband will not hold my hand in public. He's wow. embarrassed. <laughs> like he, it's not his thing, right. you know? And so I have to like check myself that that is not offensive to me. Right. Because he is the kind of person that would... You know, like if there was ice outside, he would go outside and like fill up my car with gas and like scrape it off for me. Right. You know, like he he loves to make my life a little bit easier. Right. You know, like he's he's that guy. And so it's all right that he doesn't hold my hand, but it's not my preference, right. you know. Or you could bitch to your friends that he doesn't hold your hand all the time. No, and, ma- not and, at all. and make him wrong for it, which again, people do. Right. Um, so, yeah. So I could understand why she wouldn't be more affectionate with me. Um, but then I noticed like she does cook every meal for me. This is before we're even married, right? <laughs> that was interesting. That That's an, a great observation but, though. But I, but I didn't, I had to like hear it. Like the first time I heard it was, um, was actually Anthony Robbins and he didn't even call it love languages. He called it something else because hmm. he was calling it something else. 
Um, so my wife is acts of service all day, right? Like make like doing the dishes is like a pretty huge thing for her. And um, I should probably do it more as I'm saying that. Um, and I think that's what a good relationship is, is that she knows she knows that if we're watching something on TV and she comes and lays on me, that means the world to me. Cause it's yeah. like, that's me. That's where it's at. Right. And so she does that. And you know, I think as we've, we've both gotten better at both things, right. That's why I wonder if you said like, mm-hmm. like, Hey, we're gonna, I'm going to make sure every day I tell him that. Cause that means a lot to him. He's not a words of affirmation guy at all. In fact, he's embarrassed by it. So when I call him sexy, you should whatever. do it out as he goes out the door every morning. Goodbye. sexy. <laughs> And I do. By the way, but, I'm, look, uh, I'm looking at, uh, uh, what's his name? Okay, so <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that. So it depends on the age. So there's a picture on here of Robert Smith, and he's holding a cat. Of the cure. I didn't even the see cure. the cat. I didn't even see the cat. Yeah, and so and I just saw the hair. something on his hand that says, I love cats. And so people, if they are like millennials, will come here and they'll look around and they're like, is your husband really into cats? And then you have people around our age that are like, I fucking love the cure. Right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he's. We are both a big Cure fans. But yes, we've got Robert Smith uh, always looking over us. Right. What's your favorite Cure song? Um. Um. Now I have it in my head. It's an obscure one. <laughs> I'll tell you later. It's okay. I'll tell you later. What's yours? I'm not a Cure guy. I'm more of a Smiths guy. I think. Mm, I'm Smiths all day too. Yeah. Well, I like them both. But yeah. Right. Play for today. That's the name of the Cure song. Okay. Play for today. All right. Where were we? Oh, I don't know. We're talking about love languages. <laughs> and you know, I learned about love languages. Um, there was a time in my life, it was probably, I don't know, like 12, 13 years ago where I was really, really into, I just discovered Buckhead Church um, and Andy Stanley's, <clears throat> the North Point Ministries. And I just found like his teachings, Andy Stanley is a pastor of um, Buckhead Church and he's really well known. And his teachings were so pivotal that they have changed even way before I met my husband or knew my husband, I was completely single, but they have changed our marriage and the way that we do our marriage because of the lessons I learned so long That's ago. That's awesome. And one of the things during that time was learning about the five love languages. So again, I was single and I felt like it was groundbreaking that, you know, there are five different love languages and people, like you said, your point will complain or bitch about you know well he's not giving me enough attention but he might be doing something else you know um and and understanding what the other love language is that offering that grace makes a huge impact in how you how you do life together yeah i gotta say that i i know that first so we've been married i guess we're coming up on 14 years wow um and i know that's nothing to someone that's been married 30 years but i gotta say that it's kind of like um, I do appreciate my wife now more than ever, right? Like I do like I do love her, I think more, like people say that, and I kind of wasn't sure whether they meant it. Um, and people say this like best friend thing, which I've never quite gotten. I don't I don't experience my wife as my best friend, but I do experience my wife as my partner in a mm. real way and like a teammate in like a real way. And to me, that's where it's at. And certainly bigger than either of us could be together so that's like to me that's what that's where it's at and i think 
that's what my that's what my kids are going to grow up feeling. Now I've said to Stacy, they're going to come to us at one point and say, "Remember when this happened? We're going to have no recollection. <laughs> We're going to have a completely different view of it." And they're going to say, "Well, I was fucked up for that for ten years, and I had to go to therapy to figure it out." And we're going to be like, "What? That happened? Like, I'm sure wow. that's going to happen, even though you know what I'm saying. Like, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen because that's." Because our memories are different, and because you know what I mean. But do you feel like you guys, you Stacy's your wife. Yes. Do you feel like you and Stacy have gone through some really tough times? Like why, it, 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 or is it just a duration of fourteen years, or just that the well, roots I don't know how of much, the tree? How much time do we have? Because that's a whole other thing. Oh yeah, we got to bounce. All right, well that's My. fine. We can talk. We can, <laughs> you can bring me on in a six months or a year, or whatever. But I can say that I know that all I wanted, all I wanted, was for my parents to support what I was trying to do. Which was... Was that hard for them to have somebody who doesn't really... No, yeah, they didn't do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? They didn't do yeah. it. They were like, go to get go get a good degree, go get a job, go do this, go do this, be this, you know, be this very square peg. And I was like, I'm not. I'm not a square peg. Mm. So that's... I have so many more questions now. So that's why, that's why I try to show my kids that. Like, you want to be an athlete? Awesome. You want to do good in school? Awesome. You want to be an artist? Like whatever they're about, I'm going to support it now. What if they want to sit on the couch and play video games? Well, then you have to get out of the house. At age whatever, mm-hmm. that's appropriate to do. I think 18, you go, well, great. You can't stay here. Like, go do that somewhere else. I'm not going to pay for you to sit here the rest of your life. But yeah, that's that's what... And listen, I know I'm not there yet. And I said to Stacy, you know, people have like the countdown clock on like, well, only three more years. It's like, listen, I know that... There's probably going to be a boyfriend situation that my daughter has to come back and live with us for a few months or fired from a job, whatever. Like, I know that that's going to happen. You know what I mean? And like, that's to me, like, I want to be that parent that's like, absolutely, come back. You know, we've, mm. we'll get your room ready for you and we'll get you back out before you can get back out there. Now, I'm just trying to figure out what this would be like to be so cool about stuff. Well, again, people are going to say like, oh, you haven't dealt with that yet and blah, you know, whatever. I'm just saying that's what we're trying to do. I mean, yeah. you know, the first rule of parenting is you have a lot of hard rules that you break as soon as as soon as you're a parent yeah. right like they're not going to play games or watch tv right <laughs> <laughs> right never right. so let's wrap up yes. i don't want to but i feel like i can uh, i feel like you need to have me on your show sure and then we'll just keep going um because now i have lots of second and third level questions but i'm so glad you're able to come on the show um, I appreciate your conversation and this was great. I think this was great too. I, you know, I do get asked by a fair amount of people and uh, a lot of times it's awkward and you were great and I enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> I think you invited yourself on my show. Did I? <laughs> yes, you Okay, did. <laughs> well then thanks for saying yes. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, thank you. Sure. Thank you, thank you. Dude, that was awesome. Matt, Thank you so much for stopping by the Little Left of Center Skateboard Studio. I can't wait to continue our conversation. I've linked Matt's info in the show notes, so please make sure you check out his work. It's endlessly fascinating. As for Little Left of Center, not only is it available on your favorite podcast app, these episodes are also broadcasting on Decatur FM and Salesforce Radio. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, please make sure you do so you never miss an episode of these perspective-shifting episodes. And I'm hoping you'll continue to share these episodes the moment you click the share button and send it to people you know. It is the clearest indicator that these messages are resonating. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.